Welcome to This Week with Tammy Holland, powered by Brown and Crouppen. I'm Tammy. My guest today is a renowned motivational speaker and a recording artist. Notably, he boasts not just a Grammy Award, but also a very strong connection to his faith. Drawing inspiration from artists like Flame, Cross Movement, and Lecrae, he is a Christian rapper, maybe sometimes, but (laughs) we know he has a very unique style. His name, Thistle, carries a very profound meaning, signifying, this house I shall live. I wholeheartedly echo that sentiment. I was really eager to connect with him today, seeking not only some words of wisdom, but also advice on how to better connect with the young people in my life. His passion lies in working with teens and young adults, especially young men. Please join me in welcoming a great man to my show, Travis Thistle Tyler. Hello. Hey, I was like, okay, that's, that's me, okay. Well, you know, we were having our sidebar conversations about the music thing, so as I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going through my whole spiel and introducing you, I'm like, well, we gotta talk about this gotta, music yeah, thing. We gotta talk about it. Yeah. <clears throat> Welcome, I'm happy to see you, and happy I have to, to say, I hate to lead off with a conversation about how you look. Right? You can lead wherever you want to. But I want to tell you that you look fantastic. Oh, thank you. You are so welcome. You are half the man that I knew (laughs) 10 years ago, and I'm most inspired by that. I I just saw a picture. It probably was last week from when we did the thing out in uh, Canfield when uh, the young lady, Jamila. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, passed. And I looked and I was like, oh my gosh. Like we were standing side by side. That's was, right. Yeah, I yeah. was like, I was way bigger. Way, That's way right. Bigger. Yeah, we you. we connected just uh, for, for our friends that are listening. This one I connected first. This was our, our very first meeting um, over the death of a young girl in Ferguson. Yes. She uh, was in her room being a girl. I think she was doing her homework at the time. Mm-hmm. And a bullet came through her window and and killed her mm-hmm. and thistle picked up the mantle and really brought great attention to the fact that number one that was an absolute horrible horrible situation mm-hmm. a terrible tragedy but bringing attention to the fact that gun violence and the usage of guns in that particular community was something that was terrible and needed to be addressed yes. and that's 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 how we met. I, yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. I'm gonna go follow Thistle. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go follow Thistle, and I'm gonna protest, and I'm gonna use my yeah. voice too. And you did, and yeah. you stepped right in. I I remember how uh, that was our first encounter, but it was so impressive to me because for the people from St. Louis that know, like you, like you're a big deal. Oh, so, I don't yeah, know about yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. you're, no, you're very a big kind. Deal. You're a big deal. Thank you. So it was like Tammy Holland. So normally people act weird. So people are weird. Like, and people get in <laughs> positions and they get in space. And sometimes people let those things, uh, make them, it dictates how they deal with other people. Mm. So you didn't know nothing about me. All you knew was we had a mutual person in the middle, yes. which is a, yes. uh, Abe said, I told Abe what I wanted to do. He said, I'm going to reach out to Tammy. I'm going to see what Tammy say. And when he said it, I'm going to be honest, I was like, see what she going to say. And he came right back like, Tammy down. What we doing? What day (laughs) we need to be there? Yeah. And so it it was, I think at that point, 
I, I started to begin to feel the same way about you as Thank you did you. with me because I was Thank like, you. oh, that's so dope. Like yeah. that she is willing to use her platform and use the space that she has to bring awareness to something like this that's going on in our community. Thank so, you. yeah, I thought that was dope. How does the song go? If I can help somebody, then my living is not in vain, okay? <laughs> that's it. That, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's, that's how I live my life. Yeah. And thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. I like to ask everybody who comes and spends time with me, I like to ask everybody the exact same question mm-hmm. starting off Who are you? Who Man. is Thistle Tyler? Man. Uh, I think you just nailed it with the the song riff. If I can help somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's my life. Like, my life has been that so long. That's that's all I am. That's what I do. It's so crazy. When you mentioned the Canfield situation, it, it took my brain back real fast. And I was like, man, I was like, I've been doing this stuff for a long time. For a long time. And it... it but it's always been genuine. So growing up, I was always a person that was in need. Growing up in Mississippi or in St. Louis? In St. Louis. In St. So Louis? I told you about that off okay. the camera, Mississippi. Right. So you want me to, I'm going to go there so y'all can come tell on, you what I was going to say. Okay, come on, All give right. me the whole rundown. So I'm, I'm going to share something that every time I share it and people don't know it, they'd be like, no way. Okay. So I was born. Okay. On a plantation. All right. Like no, like Rosewood. Really? Yes. In in in, in, in Mississippi. Mississippi. So I was born in a place called uh, Minnesota City, Mississippi, on a plantation called Bell Chase. Wow. My family, uh, they were like most people. They were descendants of slaves, but generations down the line. But though. Like every generation, someone stayed to be sharecroppers. Mm -hmm. So by the time I was born, I was born in 1977. By the Mm -hmm. time I was born, my family were, they were the descendants of that. My great grandmother was still there. My my grandmother's mother and her father was still there on the same plantation. But in 77, it still looked like the row of tin and wood houses Cotton fields, far as you can see them. The really white church now? at the end. Really the now? The big white house. Really? When I, I used to go down there until the last of my family moved from down there when I was like 10 years old. Really? So every summer I would go back to a plantation to see my uh, great-grandmother and grandfather and I was playing in cotton fields and, wow. and running up and down a dirt road in the middle of Mississippi. Well, that definitely had, I'm sure, <laughs> a, a big part in shaping who you were. It's crazy. Some things I was just blind to because it didn't. It never registered in my mind, even though you go it's to just school. Because you, it was just home. Yeah, it was just home. So it was just like, we're going to minute. Like, we, like me and my cousins from her, mm-hmm. we would look forward. We're like, we're going to, we going to bail chase. Like they would drop us off the whole summer. Bell chase. Yeah, we would get dropped off, and and then somebody come back and get us at the end of the summer. Wow. So it wasn't until I was older that I saw the effect. I saw the way it shaped me, and one of the good ways that it shaped it shaped me actually in a good way because of how we got from there. My uncle James, his name was James Billingsley. So in the late '60s, my uncle James he left. Bell Chase came to St. Louis, started working at General Motors, mm. black man, mm-hmm. in the 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. He worked, he saved money. He bought a six-family flat apartment building uh, on the west side Whoa. called the Martana in like er, mid-70s. Bought a six-family flat apartment building. 
he was living in Moline Acres in the late 70s. He was balling. He was balling. <laughs> and then he yeah. came back to Mississippi and literally got all of us like American gangsters. Wow. Like, let's, we going to St. Louis. Uncle, Everybody, J- Uncle James was amazing. Oh, yeah. So he piled the car up, brought us to St. Louis, and uh, he bought the Mortana. All of our family lived in the building. Uh, and then he started a construction company because all of my family knew how to work the heavy machinery from the plantation. Wow. And so that affected, wow. that's the part of it that I took from it. I, I saw my uncle and I was like, that's what I want to be that. That's what I want to be like that. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, because I've, I've read your story, um, you came from such an interesting background, but yet the streets became attractive to you. Yeah. How'd that happen? So we, when we moved to St. Louis, uh, late seventies, then you go into the eighties. So by the time we were in the era when gangs and drugs first happened. So I remember growing up and it's like 80 something and I'm a young, you know, you young kid, 87, I was 10. But I remember like 87, 88. And you just running around freely, everybody playing. Good days. Yeah, everybody playing staying, and it's all cool. Staying out to the street lights. To the street lights. There and you you're go. like, oh, it's cool, it's fun. Yeah. Then I remember the the you had the neighborhood gangs always, mm-hmm. but it was like, oh, you see them, you might fight, or this person might fight that person. But then I I remember nineties, like the early nineties. So when the early nineties came, everything came at one time, drugs and gangs. And so there's one part that stuck in my head, particularly I had this homeboy. His name was Lamont. He was from the Cabinet Courts. Mm-hmm. And so he used to always, you know, the Lamont Cabinet Courts. Lamont from the Cabinet, Cabinet Courts. Courts. It sounds Lamont like a story. Cab- yeah, he, he was different. Yeah. He was different. He, he was different. This is my dog, though. He was so cool. And uh, he came to school one day. He had on this, like, flannel shirt. It was buttoned up to the top. All the other buttons was undone. He had some low shades on. I didn't even know what they were at that point. And he's standing up against the wall. We sixth grade. You thought he was looking so fly. I thought he was looking silly, to be honest. So I'm like, bro, what do you, what do you got on? Yeah. He was like, I'm a crip. Well, he's like, you a what? He was like, go home and watch Colors and come back to school Monday. I was like, okay, what? So me and my cousin, we go find this movie. We watch it. I'm like, oh, I'm a crib too. <laughs> like, yeah. and then, so I yeah. come back to school. Yeah. And, and at that same point, it was crazy because yeah. drugs came. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing people that I loved. Uh, mm. Just you start seeing their life deteriorate, and then you start seeing the neighborhood deteriorate, and then so it went from that point to like, my dad. You know, he wasn't. My dad wasn't around. My my mom, she had her issues at that point in life. And where was Uncle James? Uncle James is so it's so wow. The burden of taking care of everybody wore him down. I can imagine because that. that's he took care of everybody. I can imagine, and that. it wore him down like over Im- the years. I can imagine that. And so uh, now drugs came in, and it's affecting so many people that all of us. It was a bunch of kids. I got like. What'd you say when you say a bunch of kids? I, right now, I probably I think realistically, I got like ninety six cousins. Wow! But like all of us know each other. Do you know the yeah. soul that I only have one first cousin? Oh uh, no! All of my cousins when we went to, when we went to school growing up, elementary school, 
Y'all, was a gang. We had our own gang. Oh our family. my goodness. It would be 10 of us at elementary. It'll be 10 of us at middle school. It'll be 10 of us at high I, school. I love it. So we, it was always a bunch of, like my, my cousins, they don't have friends. They're, they're, they are their only friends. They don't do friends. They like, there are so many of them. They all just always hung together. Mm. And so. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's always beautiful. Like family events and my family, the type of family, like they going to get together. The music going to come on and they <laughs> dancing. I'm talking about dancing where the people falling into people's arms. They throwing <laughs> people in the air. My cousins dragging each other across the floor like they have a ball. It's, and so it's like real, you know, it's a real family environment. You, you got your issues with any family, but. One thing I've always had growing up, it was it was always like all oh, my cousins right there. I know, you know. So, but with it being so many of us, and and drugs affecting everybody, it just it put us in a space, and especially me. When you got to choose between, am I? If I, what am I gonna eat today? Mm. As a twelve year old, mm. it's like, what am I gonna eat? Am I gonna eat? Or am I going to go in the house and not eat nothing? I'm yes. going outside. Yes. So I'm going to go outside. So drugs, like the streets, it didn't draw me out because I was like, oh, my gosh, this look amazing out there. It was like a necessity It for was you. a necessity. And it, and it became a family aspect, too. Because once gangs started, whether you want to be or not, if you're from a certain neighborhood in that era, it's like you from over there. Yes. So I, you got you gonna figure out what you're gonna do. Am I gonna take my chances of uh, I'm walking to school mm-hmm. and these dudes want to do something to me? They want to fight me. Mm-hmm. It's just me because I'm like, oh, I ain't with the, I ain't with that. Don't nobody care about. They didn't care they about did. that back then. You no. know what I'm saying? So for me, that aspect of it, I was cool with. It was like these are my brothers, these are like my brothers. We all grew up together, and so whatever they own, I'm on because if I'm not. I am anyway. Mm-hmm. And so the streets didn't like pull me out because I felt a need for something. It was like necessity of life. In anywhere it's it's like the jungle. Yeah. Like, like you you go you gonna yeah. run with the pack to survive. Yeah. yeah. The survival of the fittest, yeah. right? So how did you flip the script? So how did you how how did music become a, a part of your life? I always I have to say, first of all, that you are the only Christian rapper that I have I've ever known in my life. <laughs> That's great. Before I knew me, I ain't know none either. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know none until I met some dudes. But so music, I I I started doing music way before I was Christian. I started doing music in a group home when I was fourteen. The state took us from my mother, hmm. and so when the state took us from my mother, uh, I was sent to a group home about. Two, I think like two, three hours away from her. Hmm. It's Park Hills, Missouri now, but it was Flat River, Missouri then. So when I was in this group home, I, I, I had these different periods of my life where I always tell people it's like my origin story, like the the villain in the in the uh, superhero movies, all the villains and and the superheroes though they all got like it's it's, it's a thing. It's called an origin story. So for me, <clears throat> I I got different points in my life. Uh, that were significant, but being in a group home, it was that, changed that was your my life. origin story. Mm-hmm. It was it was the first time. Was somebody in there rapping, or somebody was singing, no, or is that how you escaped? The, so when I went, I was so hurt for so many reasons. I had all of this different stuff bot- bottled up in me and trying to come out. And I used to just walk around rapping songs, but other people's songs. And one of my 
house, the, the, the caseworkers that stayed with us, one day she came in, she heard me rapping a song, and she was like, who's, who's, she said, sing it. She said, whose song are you singing? <laughs> and I, I don't even remember who it was, but I was like, I said the name to her, and she was like, have you ever thought about writing your own songs? Oh, that was beautiful. And I was like, no, I haven't. And so I went to the room that night, and I was just sitting there like, man, what am I going to rap about? <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm just about to say everything I feel. Yes. And I sat there and I wrote and I just, I said everything I was feeling. And that was the first time I saw what music or releasing does to a person. Because I said stuff that I couldn't say out loud. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I'm talking about, I wrote it, wrote it, wrote it. And when I got done, I was just remember feeling like, like mm -hmm. man that felt good yeah and so that, that was the beginning it saved me it was like therapy for yeah, you yeah it became my therapy for years yeah. it, I, I just always would go into a booth and I would say whatever I felt and so music that was it was a part of my life in that aspect way before I knew anything about being Christian I used to go around and rap and battle against different people but my life was so when me and you were talking off camera mm -hmm. you, you said you were talking about why am I loving the way that I am paraphrasing or the way that I'm being kind? Yes, because you're a very kind person. Yeah, and so somebody else recently said that to me, uh, Alice Prince, AP. Hey, Dr. Dr. Prince. Prince. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Prince. So Dr. Prince was like, Dizzle, you are so loving. And I told her, I said, do you want to know what's crazy? She said, what? I said, the love that you see in me and that you see me give to other people it wasn't shaped in me through love. It was shaped in me through pain. Mm. Like my whole life I've lived in a space like where a lot of times I was just hurt mm. and hurt without remedy, like with nobody. So when I'm in a group home, when I say my origin story, I got in trouble there because this dude was bothering me. Uh, he was tripping. And, and I choked him out, long story short. But he was bothering me. He had been bothering me a little bit. Later on, I saw we was both. You're 14, 15? I'm 14. You're 14. So later on, I find out we both frustrated. I'm thinking about it later. I'm like, man, he was frustrated like me. Of course. I was there Christmas. Nobody called me. Nobody come see me. Yeah. I'm, I'm mad. I'm hurt. Yeah. He the same way. Me yeah. and him sat there mad and hurt together. You know, so by the time I do that, they take me. When that happened, though, I'm 14. I'm, I'm 180 pounds. I'm six feet tall. They know my background. I'm in the city 14. I was grown. When mm. they took me there, I, I was living. I was staying with my girlfriend. Like, I wasn't even staying at home. Like, I was living outside when they sure. took me to there. And so they took me, when I got in trouble, put me in this isolation room. It's like an 8 by 10 concrete. Uh, That's scary. It's like an 8 by 10 metal wall. Like you're a criminal. Yeah. So mm. it's metal walls, a wood door, no way out. And they just lock you in there. And so when they locked me in there, I was just like. I'm about to die. Oh, th so that's th yeah. that's um, very devastating. Yeah, and so that was the day, though, that it changed me. And when I came out of there, I was different. Very and, much so. Yeah, and so from that point, when I found music, every time I was hurt, it was the place I ran to. It was like I ran to music. I'm like, I could say this. Now I could say this. I could say how I feel, and I won't get in trouble. So you spent some years dabbling in... Um, secular rap. Mm -hmm. How did you make the transformation from secular music to Christian music? 
Man, out of the mouth flows the abundance of the heart. Mm. My heart changed. Mm. So when my heart changed, everything about me changed. Mm. My music changed. The way I treated people changed. Even when I was say in, that one more time for me. <laughs> out of the mouth flows the abundance of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. My heart changed. Yeah. When my heart changed, everything changed with it. And so at first, I didn't even want to do music. I was just so. This was. There was a point that I had an epiphany. So for the people that know Bible, you talk about Paul on the road to Damascus. Yes. He got knocked off his beast. He going to kill people. He and, and God knock him off the horse. He go blind and he unblind him. And Paul like, oh, I'm on the right side now. Yes. So I had one of those moments. I was probably like 20, 21. I was falsely accused of a crime. My cousin had just got uh, killed. He was my best friend. I was arrested for the crime that I was falsely accused for. And while I was in the jail cell, I just had this moment with God. Mm. And it was, it just brought me to a place of repentance. Mm. But the thing that rocked me the most was. What was it? Uh, that my granny had always told me about God. It's mm. like, God, God love you. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You what know. does that mean? Yeah, what does that even mean? Right. I love me with that. All right. right, cool. All right, Granny. Pray for it. You know. Right. And so when I had this moment, you, I'm gonna run you through quick. Um took from my, my mom, put in the group home. 14 was probably the hardest year of my life until I got grown older. So at 14, I got took from my mom and put in the state custody. One of my best friends that I looked up to, his name was Johnny. He got killed in my neck. He got killed. Uh, he was like the big brother I never had. He looked out for me. He got killed. I, they sent me to live with my daddy. Uh, I went to live with my daddy, and I, I went to stay with him. I thought he was going to your Where was your dad? In Detroit. Okay. I, I thought he was going to save me. I went to stay with him. I got in trouble up there. My daddy looked me in the eyes, told me, you can never come back to my house again as long as you live. Mm. Put me on a Greyhound, sent me back to St. Louis. Mm. So all of these things, everywhere that I went, everywhere that I turned in life, all I saw was people uh, rejecting me, throwing me away. The school system, I got kicked out of all St. Louis public schools. they like, we don't care where you go. You just can't go here. So everywhere I went, people threw me away, threw me away, threw me away, threw me away. So when I found myself in the space, like I'm, I'm in this jail cell. I didn't do this. I've done plenty of things in life. So I'm like, well, well it's about fair, you know. And at that moment, I had a, a coming to God moment where I just felt the Lord speak to me like, you pray I'm going to get you out. Hmm. And I got out of there. I walked out free, clean. But the thing that rocked me the most. Let me, let me give you an amen on that one. Yes. Okay. The thing that rocked me the most, though, wasn't the act of what that had just happened. What was it then? What rocked me the most was my granny told me my whole life, God know everything you do. Mm. God sees everything you do. Mm -hmm. God hears everything you say. Mm -hmm. I, I, I heard that my whole life Your as whole a child. Life. I sat there and I said, if God knows everything about me, everything I've ever done, the things I've never told people, the things I've never said out loud, the things people know about me that are not good things, but instead of pushing me away, like everybody else did, everybody else threw me away. Instead of throwing me away, instead of pushing me away, 
I say, no, nah, come on, I want you. Hmm. It rocked my life. Oh, Thistle. That was it for me. Oh, Thistle. I was, yeah, I was convinced. That's a, that, is, yeah. that is an amazing story. Yeah. And I didn't know all of those things about you, right? Yeah. I think that you are a walking miracle. The fact yeah. that you are alive right now. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Like, how, how, how do you, I, I don't even know how you, how some people can, can, can go on. Uh, but you did that. Yeah. You are more than a conqueror. And I, I, if I, I could, if I could be completely honest, please. I like it hurt. Of course a it lot. did. Of course it did. Yeah, it hurt a lot. Even now, like when people say stuff like the good people finish last, I think that's a bad statement. Why do you say that? Because I don't think good people finish last, but I think good people endure a lot of pain. Yeah, look, yeah. I'm speaking from a personal perspective because yeah. like, I know I'm a I'm a great person. Yeah. When, no, but when, <laughs> when I when I saw you, yeah, and the things that you started to go through, mm-hmm. this is when this is at the point when it wasn't like, oh Tammy, she's nice and cool. This is when it's like, oh my gosh, I love Tammy. Aww. Like she, I think everybody loves Tammy, oh, right? So I'm like, sweet. we love Tammy, so. Not everybody. When you, yeah, they were. <laughs> Not everybody. Yeah, they you said they're weird. weird. Yeah. You're right. Anybody yeah. who doesn't Don't like, like Tammy, me, you weird. are weird. Yeah. Or if you're from St. Louis, you're, you're weird. You're weird. <laughs> <laughs> and so right. when, when you see those things, one thing that life has you, taught Thistle. me, you're welcome. One thing that life has taught me that has helped me is that I understand that pain is a part of the process. Hmm. So much stuff happened to me so young that I had to have and understanding about life and pain. Because if you don't, you will begin to think that one, I'm being unfairly punished. Like bad things don't happen to us because we're being punished. It feels like yeah, that it sometimes. Feels like it it yeah. really does. So it doesn't happen because like, oh, you're being punished for something you've done. We live in a world that is, it's, it's hard to explain, but there are simple words for it. It's like the perfect storm. Like we live in a world where Everything that happens is tied into another thing. And God shows us so much life through other creation. When you look at a plant, it starts from a seed. That plant will grow straight up out of the ground as little buds. It get bigger. It get bigger, bigger. It bloom. It's so beautiful. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. And then if you even some plants, you keep taking care of it and taking care of it. And what does it start to do eventually? It starts to die. And you're like, oh, my gosh, the plant is dying. What's wrong? That's what, and that plant in return gives up seed for another plant to grow Mm. and another thing to grow. When you look, you see the bird, the bird flies through the sky. The little worm is on the ground, minding his own business. He like just worming around, being a worm. Here comes a bird. He's just being a bird. The worm did not wake up that day and was like, you know what? I'm going to come up out this dirt and go crawl around and the bird's going (laughs) to swoop down and he's going to eat me. Right. But here comes the bird. He takes the worm. He feeds babies. The other babies go. They produce things. It it interacts with this. It goes to that. When you look at things, I just like nature. I'm fascinated by it. Akuna Matata. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> things are seasons happen. Life happens. Seasons, seasons come and they go. One thing that has been constant for me, though, is learning to understand. One, I'm not in control. When I gave up control, it helps different. It's still painful, but I'm not in control. The other thing is there is something about being in a fight. What do you mean by that? Like, it's 
exhilarating. Like as much as it hurts sometimes, when you get a little bit of, you're like, woo! Yeah, I just had yeah. that. I just had that in the car. I had road rage in yeah, the car. Yeah, it's a. And it, I don't. I was telling telling my producer Jason. I'm like, I don't even know what just came over me. Yeah. But it felt so good. It's a whole to lay on my horn and blow at that man like I did, and I'm in St. Louis, and you know you shouldn't be you acting know you like that be with people. Like that. Right? But it's a whole, yes, it's I a whole life. Yes, it's the whole thing. Yes. So as 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 sad as it was for me to be all of the stuff that happened to me as a young child, yes. and I could go on and on and on. When you think about me laying in that group home, right? Fast forward, I got older, had never had a job in my life. I was like, I need to get a job. Like, let me find something to do. What do I do? I'm like, I don't know. I was straight out the street. I'm like, I don't know what I do. My friend was like, you want to come work at this group home with kids? I'm like, yeah. I still wouldn't put two and two together. I'm like, okay. This is when I was shaping into being Thizzle, the adult. I go work at this group home one of the first days that I'm there. The staff like, there's this kid on the way. He's bad. He's getting in trouble everywhere. They're sending him here straight from DYS, he's going to be shackled and blah, blah, blah. And so everybody like, oh, they scared the staff. Right, right. Because they like, this kid, he's coming. So I'm like, okay. Sound like one of my little cousins or me, you know. Mm-hmm. He get there. Nobody wants to deal with him. He goes in his room. He, they bring him in shackled. His hands are shackled. His feet are shackled. Mm. He walk in like this. He's mm. about 16. He walk in. The dude, he get. I remember it vividly. He gets on the couch, on his knees. They unshackle his feet. They unshackle his hands. They let him go and tell him to go in the room. When I see his face, it's so familiar. Because you saw yourself in that Because I boy. saw myself in him. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, I know how he feels. Yes. So he goes to the room. He sits down on the bed, and he's just sitting there. And this is the kid that everybody's afraid of. I think he had like shot somebody or something. It was something wild he had did to get mm-hmm, him there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked to the door and he just looked up at me so angry, but I didn't care. And he looked up and I said, you all right? And he just broke down crying. Yes. Oh, this and at that very moment, it literally turned on inside of me and said mm-hmm. I'm doing this is what I need to do with myself this I was like this is what I'm this is what I do right here well you are yeah. you're, I consider you one of the blessed ones um because so many people spend so many wheels and spend so many time spent so much time trying to find their way in life yeah. and you were just in tune yeah and you knew when I was 11 when I was like 11 12 13 years old yeah. and going through everything yeah and, and me and my cousin uh, her name's Tanya. We would sit together all the time and talk. When I was that young, I used to tell her, "When I get when I get grown, I'm gonna help kids like us." That's beautiful. Yeah. And and you are flight yeah. hundred. Flight one hundred. Flight one hundred. Yeah. Tell me about flight one hundred. So flight one hundred is a youth mentoring foundation. Uh, to Baby. quote to quote the great late Tupac. Uh, when you talk about rap music, come on. Tupac said one time, he said, I peeped the weakness in the rap game and sold it. Hmm. And I remember being a rapper, artist, and thinking about that, like, man. And I was like, he did. Tupac, he he found his lane. He like, I'm gangster, but I'm I'm, I'm going to talk to women. Yes. That's why y'all advocate for him. 
Because he had a whole, he that was he was like, I'm gonna talk gangster, but I'm gonna talk to women. Dear mama. He on there like, how do mama. you do, do, do? Yeah. Well, nobody talking about how do you want it. Brenda, I'm Brenda's, still, Brenda, I'm Brenda's, still, Brenda, I yeah. hope you and the baby, everybody yeah, all right. I, I listen yeah. to Brenda's got a baby on the way over Yeah. There. True story. Really? Yes. And wow. so you got Tupac. He said that, so all of these spaces that I went into in nonprofit world, mm. once I began to go into these spaces, I would notice a couple of things. One, the first thing I would notice was a lot of times the money don't get to where it needs to get to. Mm. So the money don't make it there. You know, I'm, non, I'm non-political. I don't care about this. I people. know, I know. Yeah, but so, but yeah. tell the truth, shame yeah. the devil, so right? So the money don't get there. Yes. It, it, it'll be a person on the same side of town mm-hmm. that has a realistic need. Mm-hmm that need the money mm-hmm. that's available yeah but the person with the relationship will get the money and then try to create what that person is already doing mm. instead of saying oh no man they do that down the block we don't even do that take the money to them it's it's a competition for some not all so that was one thing i saw i said the money don't make it where it's supposed to go to i've always been a person that lived in the space to think about problems from a futuristic point of view. Once you get into the middle of a fight, you don't got time to come up with a strategy. Mm-mm. It's you you better just be trying to win. Right. So right now <laughs> we are in the midst of yes. a fight yes, for our sons, mm-hmm. for our culture, for our ability to go back outside to the street lights come on and just linger and hang around. We are in this fight and I sat back and I watched everybody Point and blame and point and blame and say, this this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I looked at all of the programs that were being created. Amazing programs, a lot of them. I know a lot of good people doing a lot of good work in St. Louis. But most of the programs that you look at, they start at 18 to 24 for boys. Is that so? Yeah, they start at 18 to 24 for boys. They're 18 and up for women. But if you look at the people that need the most help in our community right now, they're teenage boys, 10 to 17. There are no programs that really target their holistic well-being. First of all, when you talk about young black boys, let's just be realistic. They are the most feared group of people in the world. Like when you when you see 10 or 12 young black boys come down the street, everybody moving. Hmm. And they getting out the way. But it's not because they are terrorists or because they are just destructive. It's one, because they're left to figure out life on their own. Mm-hmm. So nobody is coming back to say, all right, I'm going to, I said, we're looking at them do things, but we're not doing nothing to help them. And so that's, I said, and I was on this tour with this guy for like 10 years. We would go to colleges. He would speak and I would perform. And one day I asked him, I said, why do you come to colleges? Cause we would go and they'd be packed out. It'd be a bunch of students and it'd be a dope time. He'd tell the same story every time. I traveled on them eight years, probably 20 times a year, just with him, not even the other stuff I was doing. I'm like, why do you come here? He said, college was the point that my life fell apart. Mm, interesting. He said, I was away from my family for the first time. Everything I believed was challenged. I found myself in a space that I needed guidance, and I didn't know what to do. He said, so I'm sure there are, there are a lot of them here just like that, like me. And so even back then when I was doing music, I never – I never – Music saved my life. I know God used it as a stepping stone, a tool to get me where I'm supposed to be. I knew way back then I wasn't a lifetime artist. Mm, I, I knew that. I, I always knew what I was going to be doing. 
Once yeah. a create, once a creative, all of yeah, always, always a creative. creative. But I knew I was headed her. And so when I had that conversation, I began to shape this idea in my head years ago. And so Flight 100 is targeted towards teenage boys, 10 to 17. That's our main target, 10 to 17. Uh, because when you think about solving problems, when you think about problems and fixing problems, you got to think future. So if five years from now, we have a lifelong work, first of all, in our community. I'm committed to it the rest of my days, but it's a lifelong work. When you think about fixing problems, you got to think time. Mm -hmm. So if we think about over the next five, 10 years, what can we do to fix the problems that we have in the community right now? Cars being stolen, teenage pregnancies, uh, violence, these things. What can we do to fix these things? Okay, cool. I need to start working with these 10-year-olds. There you go. Because five years from now, guess what? They're going to be 15. That's right. The 12-year-olds, five years from now, they're going to be 17. We need to start working with them, getting the thought into their mind, helping them shape a worldview, helping them find a place of hope in their own life. Especially one of the main things for young black boys is to keep them from having babies. Hmm. Like somebody else said, we're going to be like, why would you? No, we for real. Because you put yourself behind. Yeah. You got to work harder. Yes. You got to create. And so I just, I, when I saw these different things and I saw the need, I said, oh, this this was made for me. This is mm -hmm. my lane. Because there's no way everybody missed this point. And I'm I'm steady festering on it and thinking through. And so I'm just taking all of my years of experience, all of my curriculum building, Good. all of my speaking, everything that I can, and piling it in. But also bringing real awareness. I see people so many times we yell, what can we do? What's wrong? It's so bad. It's so bad. So first of all, we, we got to think about it from modern times. Everything is sensationalized. Yes. Everything. Everything is sensationalized. When you look at statistics, the reality is these kids are not doing more crimes than we were when we were kids. When in the 90s, we had 250, 260, 270 murders. Hmm. We talking now, what we got, 150, 160, it's still a lot, but there's a decrease in crime. What's increasing is the amount of hopelessness. Hmm. These kids don't have an idea of what the future looks like. So what do you do with them when they come to you, these boys, and where do they come from? All over the place. All I, over I, go, I go. I go after the people. I want the people that, the, the shackled hand and feet. I want the young boys that come to school every day and the teacher, when they see them, they like, oh my God, hurt. I just, how can I? Those are the kids that I, I'm going after. Those That's are the beautiful. kids that I want. Because when you get them in a space that you allow them to feel safe, yes. they begin to talk. Yeah, they begin to open up, and that's even with grown men. I was mentoring over the, from uh, like seventeen, uh, I think like seventeen to nineteen. I mentored like one hundred and eighty men coming home from prison. Wow, federal prison, state prison. So I was working with a program. We mentored them. I'm talking about helping find jobs, get them acclimated back in the culture, talk to them about real that is things. So, that's so dope. Yeah, and so they these men would come in, and, and they would. I had one guy, man, I loved him so much. And he had been in prison 27 years. He went on a one-year charge. And while he was in prison, got he in got trouble? all the rest of his 26 years Ugh. while he was in prison. So he came home, man, You when you saw him, he was just, he looked, he was just as hard as he looked. I'm talking about white dude, bald head, he tattoos, he... When you see him, you like, 
Right. Most people are gonna be like, oh Intimidated. my gosh. Yeah. Right. So when I'm talking to him in the class, we in this classroom, we talking, and uh, he just steady stirring at me. Mm-hmm. And so whenever somebody stirred at me, it's two things you could do. It either can get awkward or you could begin to pull. I begin to talk to him mm-hmm. without talking to him. I, and I know yeah. that you do. Yeah. So I, I start, know that you yeah, do. I start talking to him like without yes. saying. So I'm like, I'm talking at him like, and when we get done, he came up to me and he said, man, that stuff you were saying about your daddy. Mm. He said, I still feel it to this day. Wow. It's a grown man. He just did 27 years in prison. And I said, man, how you doing? He just broke down and hugged me and cried mm-hmm. on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that became my buddy. Like, me and him was like, That's like amazing. This. Isn't that wild how you can diffuse a situation like that with a hug? Um, yeah. Yesterday, I had to go to see about my health, and I was over at BJC. Yeah. Um, at, at in the emergency room, and I don't know if you've ever been to the emergency room at BJC. Uh-huh. Okay, it's kind of yeah. wild over there. Yeah. It's a wonderful hospital. I'm not dogging. I'm not saying, but you know, I mean, we have to meet people where they are, and yeah. there are people yeah. coming from all over the place with all different kinds of things. Well, there was a girl Thistle who was there, and she was so mad. Something didn't happen. She felt like there was an injustice and she was cussing everybody out. Mm-hmm. I'm sick, this or yeah. I am feeling awful. Yeah. But I'm seeing the sister and the sister and the cops are coming at her. I told the the lady, the nurse who was, was working with me, I said, hurry up. I said, yeah. I got to get out here to this girl. Yeah. So I go outside. I'd, I'd go through the security. I go outside to the girl and I said to her, sis, please let me speak for you. Yeah. How can I help you? Yes. And then I said to her, can I hug you? And she said, <laughs> love St. Louis. Yeah, you can hug me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can hug me. I guess so. And I just held her. I, t- I pulled her into me, Thistle, and I just held her. Yeah. And it calmed her down for a minute. She needed something. She she was yeah, mad because yeah. a friend had a blunt wrapper and they wouldn't let her get the blunt wrapper. <laughs> her friend wouldn't let her get the blunt wrapper. She was she was mad. And I didn't know. I just knew. Yeah. I said, please, can you all help her get her things? And when the cops came and handed her that 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 paper, I said, girl, dang. But all right, we all got a moment. We all but, got a but, moment. But everybody needs to feel validated yeah, is what, what, yeah. what I'm, 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 I, 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 I hear you saying, yeah. and I appreciate that. It is so true. And when you, and the thing is, too, you have to look behind what a person need. What, why do they need it? Yeah. So she was that upset. It yeah. seemed like she was that upset over the blunt rapper. It was more than the blunt rapper. It was rapper. more it than was, and, and She re- was looking I for re- that to calm her down. Right, right. I recognize that. And you that. stepped in and helped with that. I recognize that. Yeah. 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 I love you for that. That's why everybody loves Tim. Oh, you're so sweet. You, I was scared. Look, in my St. Louis voice, I was scared because I'm like, is she going to come out of a bag on me? Because yeah, I felt like she could have just stole me straight in the face. You have to put yourself <laughs> in that space sometimes. Yes. Though. Because it can save somebody's life. Amen. You don't know how that would have escalated. Mm-hmm. I have a thing. I felt like she was going to jail. Yeah. And I didn't want to see her go to jail. I have a thing I live by and I do. What that is I try it? to do as much as I can. What? With people. I learned it through reading books and therapy. In certain situations, I ask a question. What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you need from me right now? Mm-hmm. You need me to shut up? Mm-hmm. You need me to talk? Mm-hmm. You need to hug? Mm-hmm. You need this? But and one of the reasons that I know I saw how much it helped me, like when you're in a space, and 
do you know how many people could say their relationship? They could uh, fix things with their children, a, a workspace. Most places when we are confronted with aggression, we respond with aggression. Right. With our pride. It's right. our pride. Like, you ain't talk to me crazy. Right. It's like, no, what do you, okay, what do you need from me right now? Mm-hmm. You'll be surprised, though. Most people I ask the question, even with, with my children, mm-hmm. when you ask the question, it's like, I don't know. Because we don't even know what we need all the time. Mm-hmm. But it gives people a time to reset and, and think about it. Yes. And say what, that if we, I firmly believe, I'm just, again, I don't, it's a God thing that I feel the need to help people and serve. And I'm so glad that this. you do. But I just believe if we all walk out the house every day with the conscious thought in our mind of what can I do on my part. Mm-hmm to make this day be a better day mm-hmm. for people, my neighborhood, mm-hmm. my community. Mm-hmm. What What do you need from me? How can I serve you? Mm-hmm. We'll be a lot different. If I can help somebody. <laughs> this our new theme song. This our new theme song. Then my living is not in vain. It's not in vain. Beginning of the day, the ending of the day. The Tell us how we can learn more about Flight 100. I like to say, because I'm hunted. Hunted. How, how, like how can we learn more about it? So you can go to uh, Instagram. It's Flight the number one and then 100. Uh, the website is flight100foundation.com. It's flight spelled the regular way, 100, like 100foundation.org. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, .org. And uh, other than that, th- those are the two main ways. One of the, 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 we got a big thing coming up, Giving Tuesday. Oh, yes, that's it's right. November 28th. That's right. In it's St. the Louis. biggest, yeah, it's the biggest national day for uh, nonprofits to receive donations. One of the things, one of the spaces that we're in right now is I have a personal, uh, and I, oh my gosh, this is gonna make me so uncomfortable saying this. I have a personal 20 year great track record. You know, I don't like to talk about myself. My track record- (laughs) Tell me. Yeah, for 20 years is, with doing this work is yes. intact. People trust me. Yes. They believe me. They've seen me do it yes. with my own for years. Yes. But because we're a new foundation mm-hmm. going into corporations and grant money, we're not going to qualify for that stuff till next year. So what we need or we don't need, we don't need people to give a lot of money. We just need a lot of people to give. And so that's what we're asking. Just as many people that can give whatever you can give on Giving Tuesday, Flight 100. You can find the links on our page. You can find it on social media. Um, GiveButter.com, Flight 100. You'll see the the Giving Tuesday campaign. We just need people to give because we want to be able to be in a position to, this is just not one of those things where we're going to go out and talk to kids or I'm going to go mentor them. We we are creating an entire wraparound service for them. That's beautiful. We're not just going to talk to you and send you home hungry. We're not going to just talk to you and yes. send you back with raggedy shoes yes. where you need clothes. We want to be able to literally pull kids in, wrap our arms around them, and not just sit, but walk. This is a walk with me program where we are going to walk with kids. If we meet them in kindergarten, my goal is to walk with them to high school. Amen. If we meet them in middle school, my goal is to walk with them through college. Beautiful. Wherever we meet them at, we plan on walking with them to the end of their life. Because the motto behind Flight 100 is it comes from one can create 
10, 10, 10 can send 100 to flight, 100 can send 1,000, 1,000 can send 10,000, 10,000, 100,000, 100,000, 1 million. Understood. Yeah, so yes. that's the goal. Not just to talk to them and do something for them, but to begin to pull these young men in mm-hmm. uh, and, and have them begin to create other, young, create other young men. I told My life makes so much sense to me right now. I told people at the launch party, I said, I'm the one that God sent to send a million. All right. That's my mission. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I'm so thankful Thank to you, have Tim. had this opportunity. I like love I feel you so like much. with you, I could I love you too. I feel like I could go on and I could talk to you forever. Yeah. But I'm gonna make you laugh. I'm a talker, right? Yeah. This is the very first podcast. I think I probably said six things. <laughs> <laughs> so look I'm serious. I'm like, <laughs> it's the thistle show here. Listen. But that's I a great kn- interview. I knew that you would come and you would drop some pearls. This is my thing. Since since my cancer diagnosis, I believe in living my life on purpose. Yes. I also believe that, you know, we have to extend ourselves, letting our light shine. And then if you have a platform, okay, yes. if you have a platform, use it for good. Yes. I love I, I love the, the, the meaning behind your name. And when I was reading about you, I thought about myself yes. and I was never courageous enough to go with my acronym and to say I, it's too many, too many words, but I used to pray it. And I felt like if I prayed it and I said it out loud, it wouldn't come true. But I started my career years ago. And I would say this, it was my every day, every night prayer. I want the world to know my name for good and not for evil, that my gifts and talents would be used to help somebody. I have lived my whole career with that mantra. And it made me think about your mantra and, and your name. It's so important. And I was so happy to have that connection with you in that yes. way. Oh, you just out when you just said yours. I'm like, okay. But tell us this again. Yeah. Explain it. Say it again. So it was my thing. Uh, this house I shall live. It was my thing to say, like God is with me. Mm-hmm. It was like this is ours. Yes. And, 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 and that's been my life. I, I got a friend. Like I, you talk. I talk about different things with different people. Yes. Me and my friend was talking yesterday, and I told him, I said, bro. I, I respect everybody's opinion and believe what they believe. Yes. You could think how you want to think, what you want to about God, Jesus, uh, whatever you want to believe. I said, but for me, mm-hmm. oh, that's all I've ever had. There you go. So in and, and, and my whole life, the thing that's been, the, the only thing that has made my life make sense and that keeps a smile on my face and keeps me thriving to help other people. Cause most people have been through the stuff I've been through. They turn to monsters. Hmm. The only thing that's helped me continue to walk the way I walk, talk the way I talk, treat people the way I treat people, be who I am, really live out my life authentically is because since I was a little child, I've always, always had this voice, quote unquote, guiding me in my head saying, come on, we going this way. It's okay. You're going to be all right. Come on. I got some for you. And every time I make it to a different, I've seen beautiful things in this world too. That's why I say it's a perfect, it's the perfect story. I want a Grammy. Like I, I don't even talk about it for real, honestly. Now, when I win this Nobel Peace Prize, okay. I might wear it around my cha- uh, my neck like a chain. Okay, you do that. So I'm getting an honorary doctorate. Okay. On November 18th. Oh, congratulations. So I t- I, I, thank you. I've been telling, I told Shaki, I said, uh, I said, oh, be prepared. I said, I'm, I'm wearing the robe all day and the hat. <laughs> Everywhere I go. I'm talking, and, I don't care if we go in into Burger King. I'm, and, I'm wearing a hat. And I will I will show you your respect 
And I will call you Dr. Thistle, or do I call you Dr. Th- Dr. Tyler? <laughs> Tammy, see, this is okay. why I rock with you, yes, Tammy. Yes. This is why I rock yeah. with you. But life has been beautiful. It's been pain. But it's it's like, man, when it all comes together, though, and makes sense, Yes, it gives you enough in those moments to keep fighting. Yes. So that's my encouragement and my prayer to you. Since the moment that you have said what so, and this is real, real life transparency. You don't know how many days I have been, because I have my days. Today, Shaki asked me, she said, what were you doing? Because I was running behind. And I was like, I was doing stuff. And she was like, what were you doing? And I didn't answer. So she probably like felt the way, you know, I'd be. So she was like, got off the phone, right? But today I was having a day. Mm-hmm. Some days I have I have to make myself show up. Yes. I have to make myself be, yes. you know. So I was having a day when I was like, okay, I'm going to Tammy. Super excited. I'm going to Tammy. Thank you. Pulling up. But you don't know how many days I have had a day and I go online hmm. and I go to Facebook hmm. and I see you hmm. and I hear you laughing. Hmm. I see you talking. I know what you're going through. But not physically knowing or fully comprehending, but knowing you're going through something that most people, they quit. They give up. They throw in the towel and they bow down and say, okay, this is it. You just thought you just started a podcast. You're steady. You're steady <laughs> thriving. You're steady going. So no matter how rough it feel or how much you're going through, sometimes pain pushes us to the, the place we're supposed to be. And I'm reading again, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, I started back over reading it again. And the chapter that I read today was talking about people quitting when they're one step away from gold. Hmm. So keep stepping. Thank you. Keep going forward. Thank you. Keep putting it out like. Thank you. Like, this is amazing. I'm Thank so you. proud of you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Thank the, you and very and much. I, I, I get strength from you. Thank you. On a daily basis. And that's yeah. not for the podcast. That's real life. I appreciate that. Yes. Touch and agree. Yes. You have my support yes. with your foundation and with, with whatever it is that you do. I admire you and I think you're wonderful. Thank you. And I'm so happy that you shared with me today. Thank you. All happy right. you had me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I appreciate you. I appreciate you all for for listening. And for those of you all who are watching on YouTube, I thank you so much. It means a lot to me that you're here today. Special thanks to Missouri's trusted law firm. For more than 40 years, Brown and Crouppen has provided trusted legal care for clients. And, and they were even voted the best law firm by the readers of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. If you need them, reach out to them at brownandcrouppen.com. Until next time. It's what I say all the time. Life is death without adventure, and adventure only comes to those who are daring and willing to take chances. Have a fantastic day. Thistle, thank you.